This is Including You, the new series from Lead at Any Level. Including You features stories from chief diversity officers and other executives who are creating inclusive cultures in their organizations. Our goal is to show what's working in companies just like yours, to give you the tools you need to keep pushing for progress in your own workplace. We want to create belonging and opportunity for everyone, including you. And now here's your host, Amy C. Wanninger. Welcome back to Including You. I'm your host, Amy C. Wanninger, the Inclusion Catalyst. My guest today is Ulysses J. Smith. He's the head of global impact, equity, and belonging of Blend, a software company that serves the banking industry. Blend has 2,000 employees across the U.S. and India. And as a quick programming note, at the time of this recording, Ulysses is transitioning out of this role at Blend to focus on his private consulting practice. Ulysses, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to talk to you as someone who has been doing private practice and working internally at the same time, and specifically in the software industry in the banking sector where we're talking about, I, I used to work in IT and the insurance industry, and I call it the epicenter of nerddom. When you're in, in tech, in financial services, it's like there's a lot of, there's a lot of nerdiness to go around. So why at a software company in the financial services industry, why is inclusion so important there? By saying that any organization with, with which I choose to join or associate myself, there has to be an, an already established demonstration of these principles right around diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, that already has to be in place. And at a, an organization like Blend, when I joined, there actually had already been a person in this role or in a role similar. It's a little different. They were on the HR side. And so it was nice to come in and at least even in my interview, I will say I gave them a thousand reasons not to hire me. I try to give any org. I, I want folks to know exactly what they're signing up for, what my vision is, what I'm interested in doing, and how we can actually continue to move things forward by taking a look at the broader ecosystem in which the organization operates. And coming in, I joined Blend in 2019. So before things really in the fan. Uh, in 2020, but there was already, there was already an established commitment to doing this work. And it just became that much more important as things progressed during my tenure, especially uh, during the events of 2020. And it, it caused us all to really take a hard look at where we sat in the ecosystem and what the potential for not only the people at the organization was, but the product itself for really driving or at least helping to be a catalyst for broader, I'd say macro level changes as we were looking at, you know, how we could help really spur additional progress is the word I'm going to use here throughout moving in financial services overall, particularly as we looked at things like the black, white homeownership gap, et cetera. I'm grateful for what we were able to achieve as a company and myself privately and the team as practitioners, but it's always been something that, that we've held really close to us as an organization. And I hope that continues even after I'm gone. So talk to me about the vision that you laid out for the organization and beyond just the walls or the, I guess, the firewalls of the organization. And what did you really hope to accomplish in your time there? And what were some of your key initiatives that you engaged in? I warn everybody, I am not the typical practitioner in this space. I view this role and this work very differently. So folks who have 
follow me. I'm posting so much. <laughs> I was picking up, taking, spending a little too much time on LinkedIn, but folks who've listened to me pontificate over and over again around how I like to build organizational structures and entire functions around this that are not situated in HR, that are more so positioned as strategic functions, centers of excellence that really embrace, I'm going to say the C word, and I know I'm going to lose a lot of people here, but let's say embrace the understanding that we do live in a capitalist society and we are subject to market forces and additional, additional external forces. And in order for us to make progress, we actually have to speak the same language as the organization itself. So I came, I come into this work and I think through, we know what our values are. We know what these principles and these concepts mean. Now, how do we actually apply these practically to every single core business function throughout the organization? And I think a lot of practitioners have gotten really good at doing this on the HR side. And that's great. That's great. You know, folks want to focus on, you know, talent development and recruiting and, you know, internal processes. And that's that we need that. That's great. That's important. And we also have to focus on what this looks like in a, in, in a go to market function, go to market functions. We have to think about what this looks like um, on the engineering product and design side when we're really thinking about who we're serving as customers, how we are engaging them, who those customers actually are, and also what are we putting out into the world? What is our specific product, good, or service? And that's where I came in. That, that was my whole thing. So it was like, okay, let's focus on three specific areas around talent, experience, and impact. And so my function overall is probably, in most organizations, what two distinct teams would focus on. So there's an there's the ESG side, the environmental social governance side of, of the work that I do. And there's also the diversity, inclusion, and belonging side of this work. And that's what has been merged pretty effectively at Blend for me. Um, and that's kind of how I choose to how I choose to approach this. So we started obviously with assessment first coming into the organization. What are the top priorities for the organization? Where does the organization want to go? When I came in, Blend was about 300 employees. Right? And of course, you mentioned we're now 2000. And, Part of that was, I have to understand from leadership what the vision is. Where do you see, how do you see the product impacting lives, the lives of borrowers, not just our customers who are banks and credit unions, financial institutions of all different sizes and types, but their customers who are ultimately the ones who are benefiting, in theory, we hope, are benefiting from the use of our product, of our software. And when we think about that, for me, it's thinking about, we know that there is, like I mentioned earlier, these macro level issues, and I tend to focus there much more than the micro issues that we see within the organization. Those things are important and we still do address them. I want to be clear, right? but that's not where I spend all my time. So when we think macro level, it's okay. We know there is a long history in the United States of discriminatory practices in banking and financial services. And that has, and even if we go back to recent as, I don't know, 2020, uh, 2021, when there were many articles that came out around some practices, we still see big banks across um, the U.S. being penalized um, and fined for some of their practices um, in not granting or having or giving populations the same access to some of their services. We also know that in many communities, there are actually more liquor stores than there are bank branches. But when you add the element of a digital 
banking experience, that actually has the potential to create a ton more access to possibilities of different financial services and a prospect of homeownership in particular that many folks have never really thought they, they could achieve. And so what we wanted to do, but in order to do that, we also had to think about the product itself. Does the product actually meet the needs um, of the various uh, borrowers, borrower segments that we're looking at? Does the product actually meet the needs of different types of financial institutions? And Lynn actually had not been, had not ever, when I joined, engaged a minority depository institution. And these are the well over 300 customers, many of them being some of the largest banks in the country and independent financial institutions as well these smaller institutions who do operate very differently and whose needs are very different, who don't often have the same resources as many of these larger institutions. And that's where I wanted to focus. And so I think that through some folks externally for a loop, they're like, what? The, the DEI people do that? The DEI people do that? Um, yes, there's potential. We don't have to be, we don't have to just be a cost center. We can also be revenue generating functions if we choose to, if we choose to do that. If we choose to really lean in and, and take a critical lens to the organization overall and think about how our practice actually applies differently. Yes, we still, like I said, we still focus on talent. We did that when we first came in. I will say Lynn has never had an issue with recruiting. That was something that we established early on, taking a hard look at processes, making sure um, that we were actually going to places where the populations we were not necessarily seeing robustly represented in the organization, which they weren't. We didn't have the same recognition, the same name recognition as a Google or a Facebook or Meta or anywhere else. And that's great. That was great for me because we're then in a position where we're not trying to correct a narrative, where we're not trying to rebuild trust with specific communities. We're actually, we were actually at a, at a place where we got to establish trusted, sincere relationships with these populations and establish ourselves as an equitable employer of choice and a brand of choice to our customers. And that to me is what was most important. And so I think from then on, we just never really had an issue. And even throughout our growth trajectory, we were able to maintain proportional representation um, as we went through there, which I thought was amazing. I also will shout out all the former recruiters and talent acquisition professionals I got to work with who were very willing, right, to sit down, audit their processes, to learn, who were just very interested in doing that work. And so that, I think, helped out quite a bit. And it's second to, for us to really sit down and get a strategy around how we wanted to show up on the ESG side, how we wanted to conceptualize our impact and how we wanted to assess that moving forward. But once we really sat down and thought about what an equitable ecosystem looked like, and once we got feedback and did that, and I should say we did this in conjunction with industry partners and customers alike, that actually really gave us insight into how we could be helpful. And there's a big difference. Organizations should take a hard look. Um, there's a big difference in going out and telling a population what's best for them without ever asking, uh, and actually sitting down and saying, we actually just want to be a helpful partner in this. Where are you looking to go? What are some of the things that you'd like to see long-term? Um, and I think we were able to do that very well and effectively. And we've seen the result of that overall over the last few years. And I'm grateful for the work of my team and the, what we were able to achieve in that time. It sounds like you you did the internal work first before you went out and said touted the where you were and the what you wanted to accomplish in the community and in the marketplace. Uh, which I think is a, a very 
authentic and, and healthy way to go about this work. I think some companies get it backwards. They start touting. <laughs> and then if you peel back just a little bit of the you pull back the curtain just a little bit, you find out that there's not a lot of, of substance behind the sizzle. And it sounds like you guys did this in the right way. You talked about internal results, about the being able to grow with proportional representation through your growth, which is incredible. And what that tells me is that you really did fix the systems in the first place so that once you started building on those systems, everything stayed was scalable and stayed in place. What were some of your results externally in the marketplace with your product development, with your market share? I have to say, if there was a, a signature achievement that I would point to, it actually would be the team that I built because this team is very different in practice than what, I've, than what I've seen at other organizations. And the reason I say that is one of the roles that we stood up was someone to lead product equity and enablement. And what that role was focused on was really bridging the gap between a team like mine, a business development team, go-to-market functions, and the product side of the house. Someone who could work very closely with partners and customers and really think through what, or I guess ask and help answer the question, what are the specific features or enhancements we can build into a product to drive toward more equitable outcomes for borrowers? And in, seek, in asking that question with this group of folks and also with regulators, uh, as obviously we're in financial services, highly regulated, <laughs> and it's no good if we just put something out into the world and banks and financial institutions are not actually able to use it because of regulatory hurdles. So being able to work with all these parties, bringing them together to start identifying a, kind of a, a, a wish list of sorts of things we could put into the product, I thought that actually was amazing. And we were able to get out, roll out, I think the first big feature we were able to roll out was a Spanish language application. Many you know, federal laws and of course many states have their own specific regulations. And if you start a mortgage application or a loan application in a specific language, you have to see it through in that, in that entire language. And that already alienates quite a few people. And we know Spanish speakers, the Hispanic, Latino uh, population, actually is one of the fastest growing, is the fastest growing population, right, in the United States. And so when we're thinking about expanding access to the prospect of homeownership or even expanding access broadly to financial services, it would be great if people actually understood what they were getting into so that they were not then subjected to predatory lending processes, that they were able to understand and comprehend in their own language kind of any particular you know, clauses or stipulations or anything like that in the process, and also to be able to seek help from someone who can also speak to them in that language. And that opens up so many possibilities and opened up so many possibilities. And so we're really grateful that so many of our customers were very eager to jump in and jump in on this pilot. I'm very grateful to my team for really taking on a lot of the technical lifting of this, of things that were beyond my area of expertise. <laughs> if I want to be honest, uh, way, the technical element is way beyond my area of expertise. But that was something that I think was just the beginning of what's to come, where we can now start, where now we have a framework, where now we have a point of reference. We now have a proof point that if you're able, if we're able to actually roll this out into other elements of the product or other applications, people can start to see very different changes. And so what we want to see long-term, what we hope to see long-term are shifts, 
right, in um, acceptance rates, right, where we're not seeing adverse impact. Or, or adverse action notices for, for these particular borrowers, where we have various data sets, Honda data, et cetera, where we're starting to see folks at different inst financial institutions actually get through the entire process and not quit the application and ultimately get approval and get whatever they're looking for, whether it's a car, whether it's a home and home ownership for better or for worse in the United States is a, a big indicator of generational wealth for folks. And so that's something we really wanted to focus on at the start. So we started this in the more on a mortgage application as opposed to anywhere else, because that is where we see the most potential. If folks are actually given that opportunity, I think there was, I think Citigroup actually did one study where there, I can't even remember the number off the top of my head anymore, but it's upwards of a few billion dollars that was lost just because, or from our GDP, just because Black folks in particular had not, were not able to fully participate, right, in economic activities. Imagine a world, imagine a nation, imagine a country where we were, everybody was able to fully participate in what that looked like. And that's the vision that we're seeking. Just this small step to me of making this simple change to an application. I say simple, I'm sure every product manager we worked with would disagree <laughs> being simple, but that was a huge step. And I hope other companies really take the time to put in an organizational structure and infrastructure that does allow them to take a hard look at their product and the people that they're looking to serve. And I hope that's one lasting impact that I can have, right, in, in giving people that framework. And I know some companies that that have done that now because right, we've talked about it um, and I've shared the job description and everything that we wrote and folks are able to come up with those teams on their own. And I think that's amazing. And I, I hope we see more of that in the future. That is fantastic. And as you were talking, I was feeling anxious because I was remembering what it was like to go through that process, the mortgage process, the pre-qualification, all of the conversations, the closing paperwork where the guy hands you, it's a stack of papers, four inches thick. And he's like, this one says sign here. This one says initial here. And that's intimidating for anyone. If I was trying to do that in a language that, that was not my first language or was not even a language of fluency for me. I don't know that I would ever even start because it is just such an intimidating process. So I think it's incredible the way that you have opened access up for so many people because home ownership really is, it's still the American dream, even with the housing prices as they are and the economy, inflation going up and, and interest rates going up. That's still the aspiration for most American families, most immigrant families is come here and own a home. And it's just incredible that a simple, quote unquote, simple tweak to some software, having been in software myself, I know those simple tweaks are never simple, but the beauty of and the magic of software is it looks simple when you're finished to make that happen. What's next for you, Ulysses? I know you're transitioning into sort of a new era in your career. What's coming for you? Question, isn't it? It's, I'll be honest here. I think this is a, this is a, what better forum than with you to be able to, to talk about stuff like this. I have been on the fence about staying in this space. And the reasons, you know, part of the reason I wanted to transition out now was I proved my point. The academic in me is satisfied. I, I was, I didn't seek to be in this space to begin with. My background is like in city planning. I loved architecture. Uh, I did government work. That's actually what I studied uh, in long-term would love to, you know, be on the bench as a long-term aspiration and be a judge. So this 
I really just wanted to work in a space where I was able to really think through critically and see right, the impacts of the law as written, of policy as, as it had been enacted, not only in um, the public sector, I've been in higher education, I've done other things, but also in the corporate world. How does that translate? How does it translate to corporate practice? Right? And that's really what I wanted to see. And then it was like, I felt like I was pushed in a way by the, the internal academic and said, oh, there has got to be a better way for us to do this work than to continue to replicate the exact same processes and structures that have not yielded results over the last two, three decades. And I have yet to understand why organizations continue to build the same structures. But now that I have proven the point, at least at Blend, where yes, we can generate revenue. Yes, we can bring in new customers who can, in fact, be well-established Black-owned banks, can be well-established Asian-serving institutions. We don't have to continue to only engage a specific customer segment. We can do that. We can bring in more value as practitioners and as an actual strategic center of excellence than if we were just situated in an HR or a people function. And let me just be very clear, my, my push to not have these roles in HR has nothing to do with HR practitioners themselves. You all are very difficult, so you do a very difficult job. And frankly, I don't think organizations invest in their people functions early enough. But for this work, we, in order for us to be seen as actual partners, full strategic partners, that's not the optimal place for us to sit in an organization. We need access. And I just have, I have felt like I've proven that now. And so at this point, it's really me thinking about, do I want to stay in a space like this that if we're watching the news, right, is, and I'm, I'm actually in Florida right now at this moment, so speaking, um, is being vilified and misunderstood. There's no uniform practice. We don't seem to be learning as a group of practitioners to do things differently. We, and I've been frustrated since 2020, post 2020, I should say, about how many different, about some of the voices I'll say that have really been amplified on LinkedIn and otherwise that uh, folks who have never worked internally in-house in a corporate environment how folks speak on high and vilify folks who simply just don't know where to start. Sometimes forgetting that we ourselves at a point, at one point or another, didn't know where to start and had to learn a lot of this. Folks who continue to push practices that actually can be harmful within an organization, especially if you don't quite understand how to navigate a corporate structure and build and nurture specific relationships and navigate and help a team lead a team and help them navigate some of the hurdles that come with a lot of this. It's that's just not that's not something I want to spend all my time doing. I want to and I don't know a better way to say this, but what I've shared with folks before is that I wanted to be in a role that still was able to focus on this work and embrace these concepts, but apply them in a different space and are frankly a role that was respected differently. And I don't think, I feel like the impact I could make, the contributions I could make can be more effective in a space that is not this one. 
Right. I'm so open to doing this and that might be uh, in the near future, but it just, it really depends. Taking some time right now, naps are great. I was learning naps. I've got a puppy, a very energetic Dalmatian who is keeping me very busy these days. But ultimately I've maintained a, a private consulting practice since 2017 or so. And so at this point, it's really just how do I help small organizations really get started on the right foot the same way I did for Blend and some of the other organizations I've worked at previously, where you're at that really critical inflection point where you get to make the decision about what you build, um, not just in terms of your people, but also the product itself. So who knows the next thing, the specific next thing that's coming, but right now I really just want to be conscious and thoughtful about what my next move is. Whatever you do, I am sure it will be a smashing success. Thank you so much for sharing your insights, your brilliance, and your expertise with us. Thank you for the invitation and for having me as always. Please keep us posted as you move through and onto your next role and your next adventures. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow Lead at any level on LinkedIn and YouTube. Then join us for Including You video simulcast every Thursday at noon Eastern. Including You can also be enjoyed each week as part of the Living Corporate Audio Podcast Series, available on all major podcast platforms. Learn more at living-corporate.com. Including You is brought to you in part by Lead at Any Level, a boutique training and consulting firm improving employee engagement and retention for companies that promote from within. Lead at Any Level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. Lead at Any Level and its logo are registered trademarks of Lead at Any Level LLC. The views and opinions of guests on our show do not necessarily reflect the positions of Lead at Any Level, Living Corporate, or the sponsors of Including You. That's it for this week's edition of Including You. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to leave us a comment or a review to help more people find it. Be sure to join me next week when my guest will be LaTanya Williams from Vondalanda.